Shalom Mishpokah. Welcome to our newest Kadima recording. This week I want to share about time, but time goes hand in hand with holiness. So we're going to start in Leviticus 11, verse 45. For I am Adonai, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, you're to be holy, because I am holy. Clearly, God has called us, both believing Jew and Gentile, to be holy, because he is holy. But what does this really mean? Most of Christianity today does not understand holiness because Christianity in general has separated itself from the Jewish root. Religion has attempted to rewrite God's word and made up their own definition of what is holy. Holiness is talked about, it's sung about, it's preached, but it isn't understood. Over the millennia, there have been many thoughts and guesses, but not truth because the foundation has been thrown away. If you remove yourself from the root, you no longer receive the life-giving nourishment from the root. Some denominations thought that holiness means sanctification to be set apart from the world. So they designated holiness as what you wore. Ankle-length dresses, long-sleeve shirts, top shirt buttoned, and hairstyles to name just a few. So you wouldn't look like the world. Some think holiness is based upon baptism. Some thought the body sounded different. So guitars, drums, and in some cases all instruments were prohibited from worship. At one time, Hammond organs were prohibited. Then there were those who believed that holiness meant avoiding all secular activities and would make don't-do lists, such as don't cuss, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't run with those who do. No movies, no roller skating, no makeup, no cards. Uh, The idea being that avoiding these activities makes one holy. There are also those who believe being good means you're holy, that a moral and righteous lifestyle will achieve holiness. I'm going to raise some eyebrows now, but when I share that, none of these things I just mentioned define holiness. God wants you to live a righteous lifestyle, but righteousness and holiness are two separate processes and entities. The Tanakh and the Brihadashah definition of holiness for God gives a great revelation about holiness to the Jewish people. Israel was designated by Adonai as a holy nation. In Exodus 19, verse 6, and it says, You will be a kingdom of Kohanim for me, a holy nation. These are the words you're to speak to the people of Israel. So what does God call holy? What's on his mind? Let's see what God says. God states that his name is holy. The burning bush is holy. Mount Sinai was holy. The feast days are called holy convocations. The temple mount referred to as my holy mountain. He calls Shabbat my holy day. The scriptures are his holy words. He calls Israel his holy people. The land his holy land. And the temple his holy sanctuary. Marriage is holy. Tithing is holy. Your body is holy. The prophets are holy and the temple, his holy sanctuary. So let's pause and think about this just for a moment. Look how Hasetan has perverted what God declares holy. Religion has profaned the very words of God. The temple mount has been prostituted by a false religion. Religion has written its own holy days vice following God's. People who follow God are denounced. Marriage is under a pressed assault from divorce and same-sex marriage, and his word is being profaned as well as his name. In Daniel 7, verses 25 and 26, it records that the anti-Messiah will speak words against the Most High and try to exhaust the holy ones of the Most High. He will attempt to alter the seasons and the law, and the holy ones will be handed over to him for a time, times and a half. But when the court goes into session, he will be stripped of his rulership, which will be consumed and completely destroyed. So going back to what God stated is holy, what do we learn about God from holiness? Do we see Sinai and and the Temple Mount having some different kind of vegetation from all the other mountains of the world? Do their stones and rocks look different? How about Shabbat? What makes it different than the other six days of the week? 
Is it dressed differently? Is Shabbat shorter or longer than the other days? What is holiness? Holy is to be exalted, honored, worthy of complete devotion. Holiness means to be set apart from the ordinary. It means to be special, separated from the mundane and the average. The first mention of this is in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. On the seventh day, God was finished with his work which he had made, so he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. God blessed the seventh day and separated as holy, because on that day, God rested from all his work which he had created, so that it itself could produce. Calling the seventh day holy does not infer that the other six are sinful, worldly, or bad. As a matter of fact, God in his own words called the other six days ketov, which means they are good, or more specifically, it means righteous. So I want to capture this. I, I, you really got to understand this. You can be righteous, but not holy. Another example is in Leviticus 10. God spoke very specific instructions to Aaron to be very careful in distinguishing between the holy and the common, the mundane from the special. God orders that the special not be treated as ordinary. It's similar to your good clothes, your best suit, your best dress is reserved for special occasions, events, not for everyday wear. You wouldn't change the oil in your vehicle wearing your best suit or tuxedo. Ladies, would you paint the bathroom wearing your most beautiful and expensive evening gown? How many kids are told not to play in their school clothes? Walking in holiness is not, it's not about being good or different. It's about showing honor. Holiness is treating special in a special way. If we fail to walk in holiness, his presence will withdraw. Here lies a significant problem with the greater body today. There's a grievous lack of the presence of the Lord in the body, and it's evident by the lack of the supernatural, by signs and wonders. Without his presence being treated as holy, he won't stay. He is not treated with honor and majesty. He's not going to stick around. That's how we know holiness is off track. God himself ordained certain things holy. His name is holy, the burning bush, Mount Sinai, the feast days, holy convocations. He calls Shabbat my holy day, the scriptures, holy words. He calls Israel his holy people. These things are connected to covenant principles. So if we choose to honor what God himself designated as holy, we enter into a supernatural realm of intimacy and relationship with him. Remember, walking in holiness is not about being good or different. It's about showing honor. And there's one specific area I want to focus on this Kadima talk, and that's time. The word has some very specific instructions regarding time. In Genesis 2-3, God blessed the seventh day and separated it as holy because that day God rested from all his work, which he had created so that it could produce. Adonai defines what he means about this regarding Shabbat in Isaiah 58, verses 13 through 14. He says, if you hold back your foot on Shabbat from pursuing your own interests in my holy day, if you call Shabbat a delight, Adonai's holy day worth honoring, then honor it not by doing your usual things or pursuing your interests or speaking about them. See, so here's the connection. If the Shabbat is holy, what is holy, but it means it's being honored. So what it's saying here is that if we call Shabbat a delight, Adonai's holy day worth honoring, then how do we do that? We honor it not by doing your usual things. It's not the day you mow the lawn. It's not the day you do the laundry. You don't do the things that pursue your own interests or speak about them. Verse 14, if you don't do this, verse 14, it says, if you do, if you honor Shabbat, you will find delight in Adonai. I will make you ride in the heights of the land and feed you with the heritage of your ancestor, Yachav, for the mouth of Adonai has spoken. So how do we honor it? Not by doing the things we desire, but doing what God desires. Listen, here's the covenant principle. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 and 3 says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, 
There's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what's been planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. Interestingly, when you add together Shabbat and all the holy convocations of the feast days, it comes to about 10% of the year. 10% of your time is holy and is to be dedicated or, if you will, tithed to the Lord. I'm always stunned by those who forego attending services because they've worked too hard, they're too tired, or they simply won't attend, yet we are commanded to tithe our time back into Adonai, to honor the Shabbat day and do the things that honor him. We live in a physical world with its foreknown space-time dimensions of length, width, height, or depth in time. Adonai dwells in the spirit realm beyond the limitations and perceptions of our physical world. He's not limited by the physical laws and dimensions that govern our world, as it's recorded in Isaiah 57, verse 15. The making or keeping of time is irrelevant to God because he transcends it. Kepha told us not to forget one critical fact. Adonai's perspective of time is far different from mankind's. In 2 Peter 3, verse 8, it says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Psalms 102, verse 27 says, But you remain the same, and your years will never end. This is a reference to God. Adonai doesn't measure or count time as we do. He's not bound by the sphere of time. Adonai sees all of eternity's past, the present, and eternity's future. The passing of time on earth bears no consequence upon God's timeless perspective. A second is no different from an eon. A billion years pass like seconds to the eternal Holy One. Due to the frailty and limitations of the human mind, we cannot comprehend the idea of eternity or infinite timelessness of Adonai. In our limited capacity, humans erroneously try to confine an infinite God into our limited understanding of time. We seek to have him work according to our time schedule, which is impossible. Adonai is without a beginning or end. He is eternal, infinite, and everlasting. Psalms 92 verse 2 says, Before the mountains were born, before you had been formed, the earth and the world, from eternity past eternity future, you are God. Time is one of our most precious gifts and assets. You cannot recover the minutes, the hours, the days, the weeks, the months, and the years that have passed by. We must not squander time as it is limited here. Psalms 139 verse 16 says, Your eyes could see me as an embryo, but in your book all my days were already written. My days have been shaped before any of them existed. See, before you were born, the number of your days are already recorded and written in the book. You will not be on this planet one day longer than God ordained. Every terminally ill person I've ever spent time with and talked with and ministered with has desired one thing, more time. We must engage in effective time management to be effective and successful leaders in ministry, in the business world, and in life in general. One of the most difficult skills to master is time management and the criticality of taking time. I'll say it again. Yehoshua was Moses' loyal number two for 40 years. It takes time to develop a leader. So many young people miss their opportunity or blessing because they don't take the time necessary to grow and develop. Too many hop around from place to place and never pause to grow and mature. We see this in congregates. 85% to 90% of congregational growth are congregation hoppers or go from one place to the next. Too many waste a tremendous amount of time by trying to multitask, focusing on two many unimportant details or things. The hardest word I had to learn in ministry 
was no. We're zealous. I was zealous to serve Adonai, to make an impact for the kingdom. You want to do great things for the God we love, but we have to guard our time or you'll quickly be stretched too thin. Remember, if Satan can tempt you into sin, he'll get you busy. I've recently resigned from many boards I was serving on in order to focus upon what Adonai commanded me to do. I'm going to have a few nuggets here regarding time that are as relevant to a 20-year-old intern as they are to a 50-year-old executive. Number one, here's a lie from Hasetan. There was always time. He tells you you'll never run out of time. That's not true. Time is finite. It's limited. If you didn't finish something by the time it was due, it's because you didn't consider it urgent. You squandered time. It wasn't a priority ahead of whatever else you were doing. Number two, days always fill up faster than expected. Unfortunately, in ministry, a significant amount of my time is consumed by reactionary issues such as hospital visits, uh, you know, drop-in counseling visits. It's almost impossible to retain buffer time. It's critical to avoid overscheduling as it will almost always not unfold according to plan. Number three, you get more done where you're in the zone. Listen, when I, when I write messages, and I've spent time sitting there staring at the screen because nothing's coming. And when that happens, I've learned to do other things to fill that time and not waste it and squander it. But when the spirit begins to flow, I move with it to stay in that zone, not stopping till it's done. You got to take advantage of those moments and not let them pass. Number four, there's a difference between pushing yourself and burning out. Listen, the calling of the Most High God can be all-consuming. A true spiritual calling does not exist for the benefit of the ones doing it. He didn't call me for me. He called me to serve him and perform his will. Serving Adonai is serving others. Ministry is a divine call to continually give of oneself, to invest time, resources, and energy in kingdom work that often has only heavenly rewards. That's good. But ministry drains us spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Burnout may occur when we're overworked, overburdened, and reduced to nothing through overwork and stress. The spiritual warfare is exhausting, and it's never-ending. That often leads to physical or mental collapse, and many, many clergy leave the ministry because they're unprepared. To avoid burnout, verify your calling. Ensure you're doing what you were called to do. Are you doing what Adonai desires? You have to make R&R, rest and relaxation, mandatory so that you can decompress and refill yourself. And if you're married, you've got to ensure a solid, happy marriage. Too many marriages and families are left upon the altar of ministry sacrifice. Serving Adonai in the correct manner will never result in divorce. There must be rest time away from the ministry, the business, the work. You need to make time for relaxation or else your exhaustion will overtake you. You'll have zero results. It's important to have a hobby, something that takes your mind off the day-to-day drudgery and routine of the work. Many, many businesses have been destroyed or gone bankrupt due to burnout. Number five, you got to control the distractions. Consider splitting up work into uninterrupted periods of 25, 30 minutes at a crack with three to five minute breaks in between. Learn to screen the calls in your text. It always happens. I'll be in the zone when I start receiving texts with one or one and a half hour videos that I'm told I got to watch. If I watched every one of these things that were sent to me, I'd get nothing done. Invariably, as soon as we sit down to do these Kadima talks, my phone blows up. Spam call after spam call after text after text. 30 minutes before I come up here, my phone did absolutely nothing. The minute I sat down, it just goes crazy. 
Don't fall into the trap of trolling social media like Facebook or Twitter for long stretches of time that waste copious amounts of time. They are designed to trap you to keep scrolling further on and further on. Next thing you know, two hours have passed. Number six, establish smaller achievable goals, which will help you succeed. This will build consistency. By being consistent and writing down small goals every day, we're able to keep track of our progress in time. It's a reminder to focus on what's important and help you from getting distracted. Smaller goals create constant motivation, a good way to keep yourself motivated. Smaller goals are easier to achieve, so you get a feeling of satisfaction and success that will keep you wanting more and let the goals get bigger. Smaller goals allows us to avoid procrastination and to get the task done. Number seven, don't be too much of a perfectionist, though we do want to operate in a spirit of excellence, which was another Kadima talk. I love this quote. General George Patton once said, a good plan executed now is better than a perfect plan executed next week. Number eight, menial tasks should have a designated part of your day. You'll distract yourself if you're sending and replying to emails and texts, constantly adjusting your schedule. You'll not get anything done. Listen, when I come in in the morning, that first 40 minutes or so, I go through all the emails, all the texts, all the stuff that I need to look through and delete or requires action on my part and gets put onto a tickler list somewhere. But I can't do that all day long. It's simply impossible. We have to have a specific time set aside to do these tasks, then move on to what needs to be done. Number nine, no two job or tasks ever hold the same importance. It's so critical to prioritize what needs done now versus what can wait. I learned this in my 22 years of naval service. My division on the submarine, the sonar division, was the second largest division on the ship. The machinist mates had 18 men. I had 15. At a 40-hour work week, I had 600 work hours to work to schedule weekly, yet I had over 800 hours of tasking, work, training, and equipment maintenance. So you see that there's 200 more hours of requirement than of work hours that I had. The true art of leadership was knowing what had to get done versus what could wait. If we got underway that week, it would be an additional 100 hours of required work. The successful leader knew how to juggle and multitask. Start your day by prioritizing top requirements that need your attention today, right now. Always know the one critical task that's got to be done. Number 10, it's a must to delegate work to other people. This is another Kadima talk, but it's a critical for efficient time management. You have to get over the fear of handling work to someone else. If something can be done 80% as well by someone else, delegate it, says John C. Maxwell, author of How Successful People Think. Change your thinking, change your life. Number 11, take notes. I promise you, you will not remember every good idea or task that needs fulfilled in your head. It amazes me how I'm off doing other things. I'm at other places. And uh, all of a sudden, bloop, I get this from the Holy Spirit. It's an idea. It's a word. It, it, it's something. And uh, so use a notebook, 3M stickies, an app like Evernote. Or for me, uh, an email is a wonderful tickler. I don't delete it until I perform the task that's needed. I also text myself when something comes to mind or the Holy Spirit says something to me. How many times have you thought, man, I wish I could remember something. What was that that, was, that the Lord told me last night? Write it down. If you don't have a phone or you don't do the electronic stuff, keep a pad and paper next to the bed. Oftentimes, th- things come to me at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Write it down so you remember it. 12, lastly, keep your eye on the goal. The challenge in time management is finding the right balance for you, for your ministry, for your staff, for your employees. Balancing time with ambition, drive, and wisdom with a powerful dose of humility 
keeps your focus and that of your team on the goal. Leadership is not one of the gifts of the Spirit. It's a process that we must all work on. You can do it. Manage time wisely and you will succeed because your days are numbered. Don't squander them. Use that every minute to glorify and honor the Lord. Shalom Mishpochah.